We, we are in Genesis chapter 36, and we're going to look at the whole chapter, and I will just pre-announce that as we get around to reading that, whoever takes that on, we all should be giving them a many thanks for being willing to read lists of names, uh, because there's a lot of names in here. And uh, we are not going to uh, find any fault with anybody for any pronunciations, uh, including me. I'm, I'm reserving that for myself as well this morning. So um, let's, let's recognize there's a transition here because last time uh, we saw Jacob after the conflict with Shechem over the retribution of Dinah. The brothers had killed all the men. They had looted the city. Um, and God sends him to Bethel. Out of Jacob had his fear that they would be wiped out. God, should, God gave him words to make it clear that um, he was still under his direction. And so he sends him to Bethel to the same location as his meeting with God as Jacob was leaving uh, his father and mother's household to go to um, Laban's area and would then meet his two wives and build his herds and all of the things that went there. In that first trip, this is the same site as Jacob's Ladder, where he received the first really significant recorded blessing of God that was so much like what God offered to both Abraham and to Isaac. And uh, so now he's going to Bethel to return to that area, and as he travels, going through the countryside, the people had great terror. Um, was it that God induced the terror to keep him safe? Maybe. Um, it, was it that the people recognized God was at work of Jacob and his clan? Maybe. Was it the size of his clan? Maybe. Uh, was it that they just got through wiping out a city? Maybe. It's not made clear the source of that terror, but the terror is there, and it means that no one pursued Jacob along his path to Bethel. And when he gets to Bethel, God appears to him again, repeats the previous blessing, reminds him that his name is now Israel, not Jacob, that out of him will come a multitude of nations, not just one, and also kings, which is an interesting thing to think about, and it'll come up again today as we go through our message if I don't mess it up and forget it, but kings is a foreign concept to Israel for many, many years. And yet kings will come out of, uh, of Jacob. And that the land will be given to you and to your descendants, just like in the promises to Abraham and Isaac. And then God went up. And Jacob put up a pillar of stone, offered a drink offering for it, and uh, also poured out olive oil on it. And from Bethel he heads toward Bethlehem. And in route, Rachel gives birth to Jacob's twelfth son, and Rachel called the son Ben-Oi, see, I already need it, uh, the son of my sorrow, but Jacob called him Benjamin, son of the right hand, and the labor is severe, and Rachel dies in labor and is buried there. And so they move on, and Jacob pitches his tent near the Tower of Eder, which is believed to be west of Bethlehem. And we kind of end up the family discussion 
uh, about Jacob's family in this move with a just a one-liner sad note. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, lay with Bilhah, which was listed here as his father's concubine, and we know that she was Rachel's maid. Jacob then goes to Isaac at Mamre, which is near Hebron. Isaac dies. He's 180 years old. As I say is a ripe old age or a fulfilled age. Lots of words you could put on that. Satisfying age. And Esau and Jacob are there together and bury their father. And that brings us to chapter 36. And 36 is all about Esau. It's the records of his lineage. It talks about the leaders that come out of that for the lands that he's in. It talks about, as well, the leaders uh, that came out of Seir, which was the land he moved to and the people that were there before he got there. And so um, we're going to read this in chunks today. Um, I, of course, multiple times read through this chapter on my own, and my head would be swimming by the time I got halfway through. So we're going to try to break this down. The other thing that I've given you is you've got a handout, I need my own here as well, that on one side has the title, that will be the first side we look at, says Generations of Esau and Seir with their chiefs and rulers. And so this might help you keep the name straight if you attempt to do that. Um, there, there is some things to recognize in this passage, but we'll have to work at it a bit. But let's begin by looking at... Uh, verses 1 through 8, so I need my first very um, humble volunteer to read Genesis 36, 1 through 8. Okay. <laughs> this is the account of Esau, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Adah, daughter of Elam the Hittite, Oholibama, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Zidion, the Hivite. And Basemath, the daughter of Ishmael, and sister of Nebaioth, and Adah, born to Elipaz, to Esau. Basemath gave birth to Raul, and Oholibama gave birth to Jeush, Jalem, and Korah. These were the sons of Esau, who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Later Esau took his wives and sons and daughters and all the people of his household, along with his livestock, and all his other animals, and all the property he had acquired in Canaan. And he moved to land far away from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. The land where they stayed could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau, that is Edom, settled in the area of Mount Seir. This is the account of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in the area of Mount Seir. Thank you. So what we're going to see in this first part are the recording the records that go along with uh, making note of who are the children, the first generation people, sons in particular, born to Esau. And it's organized by the wives. Um, and the first two wives mentioned are Canaanites, Adah and Aholibama. And if you recall back when they sent Jacob away. Part of the basis for sending was Rebekah said to Isaac, and they both agree. I mean, it was already noted that they were both unhappy with the Canaanite wives that Esau had chosen. 
And so the comment was, I wouldn't be able to stand it if Jacob picked so poorly as well. So they send Jacob away to their forefathers' lands to find a wife. And indeed he does and comes back with two wives as well as two other servants to those wives by which he had children. But in Esau's case, we first see Adah, and she's the daughter of Elon the Hittite and Holibama, the daughter of Ana, which is the granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, and we'll see that as we, that will come up again. And the third wife, of course, then he, he catches wind, Ish, uh, um, Esau does, that well, the folks aren't so happy with, uh, with the wives I've chosen, so let's try again. That's generally not a recipe for excess, success, just to, keep, just to keep that in front of us. But he goes to Ishmael, which would be his father's brother, right? And from Ishmael, he picks one of his daughters named Basemath, which she also had a sister named Nobiath. So Edah, the first of the Canaanite wives, bore him Eliphaz. That was his firstborn. We see that in verses 4 and 5. And then Basemath bore one son, Rule. So he only has two sons by the, uh, well, I'm sorry, that, um, they're, they're out of order now be, from my previous. So when I, when I go back and look at it, um, Basemath was the Ishmael's daughter. So he has one out of Adah, Canaanite, Eliphaz, one out of Basemath, which now we're over at Ishmael's daughter, called Ruel, and then Aholibama, which is another of the Canaanite wives, bore three sons, Jaish, Jalam, and Korah. And they were born in the land of Canaan. Now in verse 6 we find out that Ishmael makes a full move down into the area of Edom. And he took his household and his holdings. And by the way, they mentioned it included his daughters. He went to another land. It was to make separation with Jacob. Why was it he needed to get away from Jacob? Too many possessions. Can you imagine this? Here are two guys that between them, up in the land of Canaan, there's not enough natural resources in terms of grazing, water, and those kinds of things to support them both. These men are not poor men not by their standards in that day and not by our standards in this day. Their holdings had to be huge. But he went to another land, away from Jacob, away from his twin brothers, because there wasn't enough to sustain the livestock of both of them. And where Esau went was to the hill country of Seir. And here we get it said once, it will be said again. But in verse 8 we hear that Esau is Edom. Uh, let me find the words and see exactly how the New American Standard said it. Uh, Esau is Edom. I wrote it down exactly. So Esau had the name Edom, and we know that if we went back and looked at when they were youngsters, uh, he was given that nickname. But we're beginning to transition from that to be the name of a group of people and of an area where they had a kingdom. So that gets us to Esau, his wives, and the first generation of children. Now if I could ask somebody to read verses 9 through 14. <clears throat>
seven names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Ada. Ruel, the son of Esau's wife, Basna. The sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, and Japan, and Kenaz. Timnah was a concubine of Esau's son. I'm sorry, so what verse? Uh, 14. Uh, Timnah was the concubine of Esau's son, Eliphaz, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Ada. These are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Esau's wife, Basith. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Aholibama, the daughter of Anah and the granddaughter of Zibiah. She bore to Esau, Jehush, and Jalam, and Karah. Okay, thank you. And so if you look at your sheet, you can see how we're marching down in the first series of verses uh, before verse 9. We get the first generation of Esau's offspring. And then with a fair amount of repetition, we not only get a reintroduction to some of those folks, but their offspring. Um, and so uh, in verses 9 through 14, we find uh, Eliphaz's children... The, and his mother was Adah. He has Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kanaz. And then we get this other one thrown in that uh, Timnah, and she will come up again later, is Amalek's uh, concubine. I'm sorry, is, is uh, Ephaz's concubine, and she gives him a son named Amalek. And so they're all included there. And then when we look at Ruel, whose mother was Basemath, Ruel has Nahah, Zerah, Shaman, and Mizah. When we get to Olabama's children, we get no one in the next generation. So why is that? Did they not have any children? Or did they only have daughters that didn't get mentioned here? I don't have a clear answer to that. Um, but we, we see these folks uh, sticking with that generation. We don't add more offspring in their dissension. So I want to tell you a little bit about my preparation because we're going to start talking about chiefs next. Um, I took every one of these names and looked to see if they occurred elsewhere in the Bible. And I found out a couple of things. One of the things I found out was some of these names were pretty popular because I would find these names show up for people that are involved in things centuries later. And obviously, I said obviously, I don't think any of these people lived past the time of the Egyptian uh, slavery. So we're talking 400, 500 years later in many cases, sometimes much more than that even. And so I tried to put some significance on these people and say, you know, so how, what did they do that we could look at to see how these folks made an impact downstream? And I didn't find really anything. I did get a couple of connections that I'll show you here, um, show you in a little bit. So that's one thing. So the two things I found out, some of these names were very popular. As a matter of fact, they even get repeated in this chapter, and it looks like it's not the same person, but they share a name. Uh, the other thing I found is I just couldn't find how these folks impacted us, which means we ought to talk a little bit about the context right here. Who wrote this book? Moses did. 
we're, 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 we're marched, we're out of the Egyptian time of slavery, they have made a good portion of their trek, and here he is writing to them and giving them probably oral history they already knew, as well as putting them in the context of the land they're coming to. Because um, I'm going to show you some verses a little bit later how these same, this nation of Edom and all of the people around them that were a part of that affected uh, what was going to happen in their conquest and their getting to the land of Canaan, the promised land, in their travel. So he's probably tying together some of their history. I mean, this is... This is the other half of their, you know, they're the Israelites, the followers of Jacob. Well, here's the other twin brother, and here's what happened with him. It also serves to close up the chapter, and when he talks about it being records or the history of or whatever words, I don't remember what the word was that was used when we were reading at the beginning, but um, they're getting it down on paper too, so they will have a record. It's the records of the generations. And so... um, we have seen a couple of generations out of Esau, and then in verses uh, 15 uh, through 19, it talks about the chiefs of Esau's sons. And in the handout I gave you, we, we do some repetition again, but it's broken down by the mothers that provided offspring to Jacob, I'm sorry, to Esau. And I underlined the ones that are listed as chiefs, and you'll see why before we're done. So let's take a look at verses 15 through 19, if somebody would be kind enough to read those verses. These were chiefs among Esau's descendants, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, chiefs Tenman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatham and Amalek, these were the chiefs descended from Eliphaz in Edom. They were grandsons of Ada. The sons of Esau's son Ruel, chiefs Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, Mizah, these were the chiefs descended from Ruel in Edom, and they were grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Baholibama, chiefs Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs descended from Esau's wife, Baholibama, daughter of Anna. These were the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these were their chiefs. A lot of repetition, huh? Um, made it challenging even I would get lost even trying to put this handout together because of wait wait a minute but anyway and you'll see why a little bit in this particular section but this word chiefs um, it, it could have been translated a number of ways um, how would this word differ from kings um, this word is more likely clan like leaders if you think about uh, tribal communities. If you would go to the, back in the times of Britain, they had the individual fiefdoms. Okay, these would be kind of like those folks. They headed a clan and sometimes in a particular area. 
Um, China was organized that way at various times over years. Uh, and, and so uh, these are probably men who ruled over their section. There may have been some sort of a, of a cooperation that came about where, where they would work together. But so Eliphaz, you see his sons listed as chiefs, but there's an interesting one. But we've got Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, Kanaz, and Amalek, whose mother was a concubine. And then we have this other name thrown in there of Korah. Well, Korah is also um, a name that's going to show up uh, down in... Uh, did I make a mistake here? Because he shows up again. Uh, oh, it's so hard to pick out between these names just looking here. Um, or does he come up over here? No? Um, so anyway, Korah shows up a couple of times. Where's the other mention of Korah? His rebellion. And they're all swallowed up. Yeah, but that's a different Korah, I'm okay, pretty I'm sure. But anyway, um, Korah is added. You don't see him in the list of sons of Eliphaz earlier. So what's up with Korah? Um, he may be a great-grandson. I know what I'm thinking of, and it's not related to this on the repeating. He may be a great-grandson of Esau instead of a grandson because when they talked about sons, they would use that term pretty um, openly to address male offspring of multi-generations. So where does, Kalan, where does uh, Korah come from? I don't know. Um, it's kind of a mystery in what we're given here in the scriptures. Um, and then out of rule, we get Nathan, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. But out of Aholibamah, there are no children mentioned as chiefs. So no children mentioned earlier, no children mentioned as chiefs here, but just that the grandsons of Esau are listed as Jeush, Jalem, and Kalam. And so the, the stage that's set here is, these are the chief, the chiefs, the clan leaders that came out of Esau's generations. And I hope I haven't bored you completely to death yet, but that's, that's what we're given here for our text. Excuse me, Rick, were you yeah. saying that only Obama did not have any chiefs? Uh, no, they did have chiefs. They're still underlined. They're listed here. Jayush, Jalam, and Kalam, but they are one, they are the previous generation. They are the sons of Esau, where the rest are grandsons of Esau with the mystery thrown in with Korah. Where did Korah fit in? Kalam okay. is Korah in the text, so I didn't know if that's where you were going for the other Korah. Holy Bama was Jehush, Jalem, and Korah. When you look at the might, might be. misprinted on the paper. So I misprinted it on the paper? Yeah, but that, I just didn't know if that no, was that's fine. Were going with the By the way, if you want an exercise in futility, <laughs> try to type this paper with spell checker on. I'd be reading along and then I'd go back and look and go, I didn't write that. And I'd have to think, go back in the text and find out what was that supposed to be rather than what spell checker thought it was supposed to be. So 
Will there be errors in here? I can promise there are errors in here because it kept doing things. I made errors. And then it would force errors upon me. So, um, Yeah, and so I miss, that's where I went wrong is a holy bomb has got a mistype there that should be Cora. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very well could be. So, uh, and, and the other thing that was interesting about the errors it would force on me, after I insisted on a spelling of a particular word as a couple of them I wanted to use, then it would have started to accept that spelling. And then as I try to type something else later that was different than that, it would try to change it to the one I'd been using earlier. Um, yeah, I was going nuts trying to go from the text to here. But I, I hope this helps you and uh, it makes it a little less of uh, confusion for you. So these are the people who would become the leaders in the land of Esau in the upcoming generations as they settled the land that would become called Edomite, which you can tell that if the land, it was Seir before, before Esau gets there, by the time we get to the Israelite, Israelite travel from Egypt back to the promised land to Canaan, it's called the land of Edom. So he, they do really take over. And we're going to see more about that in a little bit. Now we turn to the people that were already there. It's the land of Seir, right? So now we see these are the sons of Seir the Horite. This begins in verse 20. So I would like to see if somebody would read verses 20 through 30 for us. Who will be brave? Will. Go ahead. These are the sons of Seir the Horite, the inhabitants of the land. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Ana, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishon. These are the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Himam, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. These are the sons of Shobal, Alvin, Menahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. These are the sons of Zibion, Aya, and Ana. He is the Ana who found the hot spring in the wilderness, as he pastured the donkeys of Zibion, his father. These are the children of Ana, Dishon, and Oholibama, the daughter of Ana. These are the sons of Dishon, Hemdan, Eshban, Ethran, and Sharan. These are the sons of Ezer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Achan. These are the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aaron. These are the chiefs of the Horites, the chiefs of Lotan, Shobal, Zibian, or Zibian, Ana, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These are the chiefs of the Horites, chief by chief in the land of Seir. Okay. Now notice, we're still using that word chiefs. And I'll explain why that might be of some significance here in a little bit. But when we get to Sierra in verses 20 through 30, and I, I better keep up with my notes or I'm going to leave something out here. Um, but uh, as, we, as we get to Sierra, we get to see his children, uh, Lotan, which is interesting right out of the box, because his sister is Timnah. Remember Timnah? That's Esau's grandson, Eliphaz's concubine. So there starts to be some connection there. And uh, Lotan has offspring of Hori and Herman, Heman, sorry. And then we keep going. Uh, Shobal, 
has Alvin, Manahath, Ebal, Shefo, and Oram. And then Zibian, we get Ahai, AI, I don't know, Anna, and it's interesting, found hot spring in the wilderness while pasturing donkeys. Now, why might that be an interesting data point for the Jews that have just transversed on their way to Canaan? Why would that come up? location that was known as well as in the wilderness where have they been and where are they going to be for 40 years in the wilderness and so that would be something they probably had some potential interest in Anna had children of Dishon and Aholibama um, and Aholibama is a daughter and this is the only offspring that's noted as a daughter through this list and by the way see the borrowed name these names get moved, uh, get used over and over. Um, that's not Esau's wife. Though. That is not Esau's wife. Because isn't Esau's wife a daughter of Amos too? Well, uh, maybe it is. Did yeah, I ma not make the full connection there? In verse two. Okay. All right. So that was how he intermarried that's him. right. How, however, he married two Canaanites, as and a holy mama was the child. Okay, let me catch up. Was the child of who? She's, she's okay, so it's interesting because she's Esau's wife is listed as a Canaanite, and we're south of Canaan in terms of where Sierra is located. So interesting. We'll just let it set there. I didn't make that connection. I thought it was a borrowed name, uh, but I can see why they listed it now because. That would be related to Esau's family. Missed one. Good. Thank you. Yep. Okay. All right. So there you go. I missed that one. I should have put that together and didn't put it together correctly. Uh, then we get Dishon, which has Hemden, Eshban, Ithran, Sharan, and then Ezer is Bilhan, Zavon, Akon, and Dishon has Uz and Aran. Now, so these were the men who were descended out of Sierra, and through his family, they had their clans down in the area. And then we get to some interesting words. Uh, see if I skipped anything in my notes here. Um, no, not really. Then we get to some interesting change in words here. Verse 31. Somebody, if we could read 31 through 39. running lower on volunteer. <laughs> now these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. Bela the son of Beor reigned in Edom and the name of his city was Dinabah, Dinahaba. Then Bela died and Jobab the son of Zerah of Basra became king in his place. Then Jobab died and Husham of the land of the Temanites became king in his place. Then Cushan died, and Hadad, the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the field of Moab, became king in his place, but the name of his city was Abate. Then Hadad died, and Samla of Marrakesh became king in his place. Then Samla died, and Shal of Rehoboth of the Euphrates River became king in his place. Then Shal died, and Baal Hanan 
percent of Akbor became king in his place. And Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, died, and Hadar became king in his place, and the name of his city was Al. And his wife's name was Mehedabel, the daughter of Matred, daughter of Mezahal. No, that's good. Right there is where we wanted to stop. Now, this is, this is a little interesting. Uh, the lead-in verse is even interesting. Now, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. And so these are kings. And the way I interpret what I'm seeing here, and based on the word, use of the word king as well, and what it meant in the Hebrew, um, th these were probably men who had consolidated power over the, land, the whole land of Edom and not just over fiefdoms. And so we, we get who they are, um, but interestingly enough, it says, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. When you put that in the context of Moses, that is an interesting statement. Who is the first king over Israel? Saul. Saul? And... When does that happen? Does that happen as they move into the promised land? No. It is many generations later, after going through all the judges and so on, that we wind up where the people demand a king. And so they get Saul. So that is a long ways in the distance. But here is Moses as he writes this saying, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over you folks, the sons of Israel. And we get this list of kings, and um, in some cases, like Bela, the son of Beor, um, they're identifying Bela, son of Beor, but his city was Dinahab, Dinhaba, I'll get it, something like that. And um, so it looks like in some cases, the center of power moved to the city of the person who was in power. Uh, we, and it just goes through this list. Um, Hadad was an interesting person to see in the list. He defeated Midian on the field of Moab. So this is past history prior to the Israelites making their trip. But his city was Avith. And then Samiah has a city, Masraka. Um, and then Shal of Rehoboth, he's on the Euphrates River, which is over to the east of quite a distance. Um, Bel-Hanan, the son of Akbor, and then Hadar had the city of Pa. And we get information about his wife was Mehetabel, daughter of Matred, daughter of Mazahab. So, Mazahab. Uh, so, you know, they give some information there. I couldn't find any really good pegs to hook any of that to to give us more perspective. But so we have these kings. And any questions or comments so far? If you ask most questions, I don't know, but I'd try if you got one I thought I had a chance at. So this is happening during the 400 years? This, this is happening, yes, it's going to be, it's going to start in the time of Jacob and Esau, because we see them go down there, we see the generations of Esau established, and then we see kind of the the ruling structure of that land that comes both out of Esau's descendants as well as out of Seir's descendants. And so it's occurring 
over what period of time, I don't know. Is any of this ancient history, meaning more than 100 or so years old, I, I just don't know how close it gets up to the time that they're actually making the trek. Do these become the intermarried tribes and groups that later on God commands Israel to go and wipe out? Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to save a few minutes even to... There's a lot of verses about Edomites and the descendants of Esau throughout the rest of the Old Testament, even up into the New. Um, not so much in the New other than identifying people as Edomites. But, uh, yeah, it's all over. So I picked a few select ones to talk about. Um, let me work through 31 through 39, and then we'll kind of come back to that. I'm sorry, 40 through 43, and then we'll kind of come back to that, Royce. Uh, if somebody would be kind enough to read those verses, just kind of finish up the chapter for us, I'd appreciate it. Beginning These in verse... The names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their clans and their dwelling places, by their names. The chiefs, Timna, Alba, Jetha, Oholibama, Elah, Penyon, Kenaz, Teman, Mibzar, Bagdil, and Hiram. These are the chiefs of Esau, or Edom. That is Esau, the father of Edom, according to the dwelling places in the land of their possession. Okay, thank you. So now we get kind of the next big names in, in Esau's world. Some of them share names at the current time that they were writing, or the current, the earlier descendants. Um, and and Alibama is an interesting one. So far, the only time we've seen that's as a feminine name. And so maybe there's a woman chief in here. I don't know. But we see that you have these two heritages of chiefdoms. But when you get all done, we get to, and I'm not going to bother reading through those names. It's just a list of names. You can see it there. I reprinted it for you. But these are the chiefs of Edom. That is Esau there in that last verse the father of the Edomites, according to their habitations in the land of their possession. And so they, they come to possess the land south of Canaan, Edom, and their influence, we can see, expred, extends over to the east of Israel quite a bit as well. Now, when, if we go clear back to Ishmael, what groups of people did we say he was the... Um, progenitor of the, the 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 out of his loins came what groups of people Arab what's that Arab nations. the Arab nations interestingly enough if you start looking at what's going on from Esau his people are the chiefdoms of those same places where the Arab nations were typically found and so both Ishmael and Esau had a lot of influence and many of the people were their offspring probably intermarried from the Hittites and from Ishmael's group and so on down in that area so this is not this is also an Arab area now that we're talking about uh, even yet to this day for the most part I mean we're talking about those nations south and east of Israel um, got a couple couple more than a couple I've got a few verses that we ought to look up um, first one's going to be Exodus 15 
want to take a few minutes before we even read this verse. I want to talk about something that's pretty significant. Um, when God established what would eventually become the kingdom of Christ. I mean, we could go back to Genesis 3 and see that that included Adam and Eve in some of the, some of the prophecies concerning out of, out, of, out of mankind would come one to take on Satan successfully. But it gets more specific when we get post-flood when we talk about Abraham. And we've been reading passages, and we'll read more passages. We're not done with the hard passages yet. But we read passages um, that have very unsavory things in them, things that you would say, if you or I were to set out and say, we're going to make a kingdom of God, we wouldn't, and we had the authority God has, we, we had his omniscience, uh, we had his sovereignty. If we had all of those things, you and I would start with a couple. We'd make them perfect. We'd have generations that were sinless and sin-free. We, we would start with, as to the best of our abilities, and God's the best of his abilities are unlimited, we, we would probably set about building a people that were beautiful and wonderful to read their history. It's not what God did. God created Adam and Eve. We can even look at the scriptures and he subjected it to futility. And out of these people with great flaws, great rebellions, great sins, he established a kingdom through the lineage of Abraham that gets down to the throne of David, which gets down to Jesus himself and gets down to you and me. And we are righteous in the eyes of God if we have been born again, not because we are righteous of our own behavior, but because he has judicially declared us righteous and led us into faith through Jesus Christ. And so it's by grace that he builds his people, not by their own virtue that even he could have planted in them. It's also interesting to note that along the way, he selects those people out of a world full of people with an awful lot of sin, fault, rebellion, bloodshed, murderous lives, and so on and so on and so on. And it fits right in with what Jesus said, there's a narrow path and few will be on that path. There's a wide path. It's, it's out of a large group, large by our estimation at least, of people that he redeems many to be righteous in his own eyes through the, his own work. And there's just a few things that are going to be interesting as we look at some of the verses then about how we see Edom in that world that God is over here working through building a Jewish nation that will eventually lead to the throne of David and eventually lead to Christ on the cross. And even will, we should never lose sight of the fact, lead to a day when we do have a just government on this earth, led by Christ himself, following his return and his taking of this world through 
what we would call the end times in the millennial reign. But let's first look at Exodus 15, 14 through 16. And this has probably already occurred, this has already occurred as Moses is writing these words. In Exodus 15, Moses and the people have crossed the Red Sea on dry land and seen the armies of Pharaoh drowned. And we're picking a few verses out of their, I'm going to use the word song, but their strong words of, of positive appreciation for what God has done. So somebody read Exodus 15, 14 through 16. Chiefs of Edom dismayed. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Mm -hmm. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made. For your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. And so here's Moses leading the people in these words. And it's interesting that they've just crossed the Red Sea, and he's talking about people being afraid. He mentions the Philistines, people of Philistia. He mentions the people of Canaan, but he also mentions the chiefs of Edom. So they're mindful of who's ahead in their coming and Moses is pointing out these people are now scared and they should be right now the people of Israel are going to forget the greatness of God before they take the promised land but that's interesting let's go over uh, to Exodus 20 I'm sorry sorry I got out of order here Deuteronomy 2 1 through 7 Deuteronomy 2 1 through 7 Who's got that for us? And journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Sinai. Then the Lord said to me, You have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward and command the people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Sinai, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No. Not so much as the so for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Sire to Esau as a possession. You shall purchase food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from, water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So we went on away from our brothers, the people of Esau, who lived in Sire, so interestingly enough God says hey I'm getting ready to take you through a place and what's the place Sierra Edom and what does he tell them about that place don't think you're going to get this this is Esau's I've given it to him as a possession 
By the way, they're going to be afraid of you, so be careful how you interact with them. In other words, people that are afraid of you might want to take the first strike so you don't strike them down, right? Also, you can buy from them. You can eat food you buy from them, but don't. That's it. This is Esau's area. Now, go over to Exodus 20, 14 through 21. Now, this is a little later. And they want to pass through the area of Edom. Exodus 20, 14 through 21. Who's got that one for us? Did I hit the wrong verse? Oh, my. Okay. I even remember when I wrote it, I thought, that's, that's odd. I probably can't find it. So let me tell you some of what goes on as they're trying to travel through. There is a passage, and I'm just going to give you the gist of it, and I obviously don't have the right location, uh, where Moses communicates with the chief of Edom and says, we want to go through your area. We are from, from, we've been in, in slavery all these years. We're on our way to Canaan area. You know, we don't have any beef with you. We're a needy people in some respects. We, we want to go through your area. And the chief of Edom says, absolutely not. And so they are denied passage through Edom. Numbers. Is it Numbers? Is that what I did wrong? It's Numbers 20? You said 14 through what? 21. Yeah, Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Is that what you're talking yep. about? Yep. Thus says your brother, uh, your brother Israel, you know all the hardships that we have met, how our fathers went down to Egypt, and we lived in Egypt for a long time, the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and our fathers. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your land. We will not pass through your field or vineyard or drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or the left until we have passed through your territory. But Edom said to him, you shall not pass through, lest I come out with a sword against you. And the people of Israel said to him, We will go up by the highway, and if we drink with, drink of your water, um, I and my livestock, and I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. But he said, that is the king, You shall not pass through. And Edom came out against him with a large army and with strong force. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory, so Israel turned away from him. Yep. And that's exactly the passage I was looking for. And so they, the tension is back. But lest we think that somehow God set Esau's people up for a similar run of prosperity and future. Um, this is one of many, many passages. Now this is Obadiah 1, 6 through 9. Um, um, and yeah, I guess that's the right one. Now Obadiah is a little hard to find. It's one chapter long, but it's right before Jonah. Maybe that will help. I'll also tell you, if you have a MacArthur Study Bible, New American Standard, you can go to page 1262. <laughs> but Obadiah 1, 6 through 9, and, and like I said, this is, maybe I could have picked one that was easier to find, but these passages worded similar to this are all over the Old Testament. Concerning Edom. And, and really, we're, we, if we read the whole chapter, it's all about this same stuff. It's, 
chapter, verse 1 says, The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord of God concerning Edom. So, I mean, this is a chapter about Edom, but let's just pick out these three verses, 6 through 9. Yeah, how would you like to be in that clan and in the crosshairs of God? And like I say, this it's all over the Old Testament. When we get to the New Testament, I want to I want to give you just a just a little snippet of this. Who is the famous Edomite in the New Testament? And it's not really fair because there are several with the same name. And the first one we see is Herod the Great. And if you remember Herod the Great, he's the one that was over Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' birth when the wise men came through. His history is that Julius Caesar in 47 B.C. appointed a man named Antipater, and he was the son of an Edomite governor, and he asked this son of the Edomite governor, or granted him, to be governor of Judah. And Herod who became Herod the Great, was one of Antipater's two sons. In 40 BC, the Parthians attacked the eastern part of the Roman Empire successfully, and they took over Judah for a short period of time. Herod, the son of Antipater, who was the governor when all this happened, fled to Rome. And he must have had a silver tongue or connections, I don't know which, but the Roman Senate appointed him, listen to this title, King of the Jews and they ordered him to recapture Judah. So he was king of the Jews, but at the moment the Jews were not under control of Rome. But he goes back and he completes the task given him to retake uh, the area of Jerusalem and the surrounding area. He completes that in uh, 37 uh, BC. I wrote this down wrong. And he becomes Herod the Great. And he's the man that's there when the wise men come He's the one that orders the massacre of the Bethlehem children. So here's an Edomite ruling over Jerusalem with these kinds of effects. Now, he dies about 4 B.C., which tells you that our birth of Christ is not exactly lined up with the calendar. But um, he has several sons that get names of Herod, so they're still Edomites. Herod Archelaus... Uh, ruled from 4 B.C. to 6 A.D. He didn't rule very long, but he got half of Herod the Great's territory. He was one of three sons, and he got the area around Jerusalem, which later would go to um, Pilate. And Pilate wasn't considered a king. He was a governor. Things kind of changed a little bit, but that control of that area goes to Pilate. And then you have Herod Antipas. He also started in 4 B.C., but reigned until 39 A.D., and he had about a fourth of Herod the Great's territory, and his, one of his areas was Galilee. And Jesus called him at one point the fox. He's asked a question about Herod, and he says, tell that fox. And that was his title for him. He's the one that killed John the Baptist. 
And then, of course, he's the one that Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to during the trial. When Pontius Pilate was trying to get out from under having to pass judgment on Jesus, he said, oh, you're a Galilean. And he sent him up to Antipas. So these Edomites are around throughout all of the history up through the time of Christ. They were judged by God, but yet they exercised influence over history and not in a not in what we would consider a righteous way, even though God used all of their unrighteousness to see that his purposes were done. Questions, comments? Well, I am thankful that we can now set aside Esau and his generations. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for preserving um, the history of what you did in establishing your kingdom, the way you worked, we get to see your words and the way you gave blessings to the founders of the Israelite nation and the way you took care of them. And we get to see your actions and we thank you for all that. Lord, help us to be mindful that we live in a time too where you are active, where your purposes are being fulfilled and met, that we can have confidence in what you will do in this world to establish your kingdom through Christ, who has been given all authority on heaven and earth. We are so thankful to be um, brought into that kingdom by your redeeming work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.